you know, how can we consciously recognize each of our, our different positionality in this work? Wow, that's a very loaded question. No, and <laughs> yeah, I love it. Good morning. It. It's Monday yeah. morning. Yes, yes. Let's, <laughs> let's get to work. Let's do it. It's nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. What's going on, Humanized family? This is season four. We are truly blessed. Um, such great episodes. So if you haven't listened to it, you're missing out on greatness. I'm just going to be honest with you. So catch up. Get on this train, this train towards freedom. <laughs> and so we can all go there together. As usual, the disclaimer is get the permission for individuals that you're trying to um, really unpack white supremacy, racism, and things of that nature with so that you both can feel respected during this process. Without further ado, Emily, let's get to work, man. How are you feeling today? <laughs> I'm okay. This month has been crazy. Just kind of like hold on to your seat. A lot of work. I'm trying to have July be a little bit more mellow. So I had to like put all the work in June, which might have not been the best idea, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how actually taking a little bit of a step back in July goes. So Okay. We just got to get through the end of the month. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Um, It's been going well, you know, just chugging along with this activism thing. You know, I'm really passionate about it, really understanding the ebbs and flows and understanding, man, even a little bit how individuals who were in this fight back in the day felt, you Mm -hmm. know, so just just feels good Mm -hmm. to have an inside view of or a beginning of inside view on the the longevity and workout that it is to be an activist mm. in the world, you know? And so like, I'm trying, starting to work out more, started to eat better because I just want to see a little bit of the freedom that I'm fighting for. And so mm. I had that realization recently. Interesting. So um, yeah, just having this Achilles injury, going through rehab, having the time to slow down and think right. has really been good for me. So I really appreciate mm. it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And we're we're recording on Juneteenth today, yeah. and you were at an event yesterday in Longmont, Colorado. Can you tell yeah. me about it? Oh my God! So one of our illustrious guests, Miss Chiquita Yarborough, she's a councilwoman in in Longmont, and she led the very first Juneteenth celebration in Longmont yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was epic. It was amazing. I was, what was it like. I, I mean, I was blessed because I'm working on a photography and videography company. And she allowed me to work on that craft there and just document the whole experience. And so Mm -hmm. she asked me to come and just work on it and and take pictures and videos. And I did, and I I loved it. I loved everything about it. Was it like a a parade or no no or like no, what, it, what what was it it was just a gathering of individuals just going over the history of 
Juneteenth, oh, okay. listening to music in the park, uh-huh. interacting with individuals. There's a lot of beautiful black people there, a lot of beautiful white folks, just allies, individuals in this fight. And it was mm-hmm. just a gathering of people just really trying to figure this thing out. And it, and it was great. Hmm. Yeah. And how I, I think the last year we talked about Juneteenth, you know, after Biden had said it's national yeah. holiday and you... Yeah. You had some thoughts last year. I can't say I went back to listen to that episode this morning because I was just thinking about it this morning. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, how are you feeling about Juneteenth now? Mm. <laughs> the same, it's like the same way I feel about when people say, oh, or, oh, we have the right to vote, you know, a thing like that. It's like, it's, it's late, you know, like, I, I, I feel, and then we don't. And so it's like, it's fragile. And so it can right. come and then it's like, oh, you know what? Juneteenth wasn't that important, or we're doing this to shut y'all up. Mm-hmm. So it's always bittersweet for me, to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm hopeful, and then reality is kind of a balance for me. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? Are we really remembering the past, or are we just having a distraction? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So I always hope that Juneteenth is a true celebration of individuals freed from slavery. However, why did it take so long? to legitimize something that was so impactful towards the history of the U.S., you know? And so it's, I, I always think about that. So that's why I, I laughed when you asked me the question because people ask me that they expect me to say, oh, my side is so amazing. It, yeah. it is. Yeah. But it's like fighting for women's rights, for reproductive rights. Why is that mm-hmm. a fight? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. or fighting oh, for- Like, yeah, same- we're celebrating basic human dignity. Exactly. <laughs> Fighting for same-sex marriages. Uh-huh. Yo, you love who you love. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, <laughs> why are we fighting for that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, it's like that. Yeah. 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 So that's I'm why. curious how it's going to, like, the culture and vernacular around it is going to evolve. Because you know it's going to come in, you know, like, Fourth of July is like fireworks. Yeah. And like, what is, what is yeah. this going to evolve into? I mean, it could be something great, but like, what is the tradition going to be? on Juneteenth, then who's going to decide what that is? I mean, are we even using the words like celebrate or like commemorate or, you know, like what is the... My whole thing is I just hope people remember the past Mm -hmm. and don't make it into an event to take pictures or something that's done like a march when something horrendous happens. We march, we go, we protest, and then it's forgotten about. Like, I hope Juneteenth is a remembrance and a way to get the energy needed for more actionable steps towards mm-hmm. freedom. Like that would mm-hmm. be amazing. And not just mm-hmm. another day to throw scraps where there should be real change, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I know I sound like doomsday, you know, and not like, oh my God, we Juneteenth, you should be celebrated. Uh, yeah, like it's, mm-hmm. well, we can even take it a step further. Shit, slavery should never happen and we would have nothing to celebrate. Like, I mean, if, <laughs> I if you really, you know what I'm saying? I so, know, it's kind of like, what are we remembering right now? Yeah, are we remembering yeah. the end of it or remembering that it began? <laughs> yeah, and so like, let's have those conversations before we always like, let's get up. I, I, and people always say it, let's get over slavery, it happened. Right. Are we supposed to harp on it? It's like, if the effects are no longer happening, yeah, we can start to not talk about it as much or not talk about it at all. But it's very evident that it's happening more and more often and we're going in reverse. We're not 
progressing, or we are progressing, like Nicole said, Nicole Haddock Jones said, you could be progressing, but are you progressing towards somebody is progressing towards what they want? Uh-huh. So who is progressing, and 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 what direction are we progressing towards? Is towards the real what, yeah. yeah. So like that's yeah. where I stand with it. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So. Our intention today is to debrief our episode with Edelette McVictor uh-huh. that was released last week. And she is the author of Recovering Racists, Dismantling yeah. White Supremacy and Reclaiming Our Humanity. She is a white woman, Afrikaans woman, born in South Africa. She lives in Canada now. And it was such a beautiful experience to talk with her. I mean, she's such like a... a embodied person yeah speaking from her bones in a way that i mean i really do feel like this is the work it's not just like awareness of issues it's like really letting in the realities of the legacy of white supremacy and i yeah i was just really touched by her episode and i have lots that i want to talk about (laughs) her episode (laughs) yeah so yeah, I, well, so, okay, here's one thing. I, this is actually, you know, something that was brought up in the episode and something that I've been wanting to talk to you about mm-hmm. forever, and we just haven't had the time to do it. So, Idolette let us, well, you know, just in getting to know her, we learned that she's giving 90% of the profits of her book to basically different communities of color that have been oppressed and discriminated against like the um, boarding schools in Canada. And she's doing a beautiful job of just asking like, where should this money go? You know, she's not directing it. And as we were talking, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious where, like, what are your thoughts on reparations? (laughs) And how how does that fit into the work that we're doing? Because we're doing this podcast, which is just like a, you know, a work of love. By uh-huh. the way, if anyone wants to support the podcast, we have a Patreon page. We really appreciate your support. Yes. Help! Help! <laughs> Help us! Help us! Yes. Like, so I guess it's like I wanted to know your thoughts on reparations and then also within the context of our work and our collaboration, you know, how can we consciously recognize each of our, our different positionality in this work? Wow, that's a very loaded question. No, and yeah, I love good morning. it. Morning, it's Monday yeah. morning. Yes, yes. Let's, <laughs> let's get to work. Let's do it. It's nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> no, for real. Uh, <laughs> reparations without education to me is very dangerous. Why? It's like giving a someone who's addicted to cocaine a million dollars you know it's like (laughs) i give someone who's an addict a million bucks it feels good to me i could say hey i'm really helping the cause man he was homeless he was using cocaine i gave a million dollars ah right now we visit this guy who's an addict a day or two or a week later and he's passed from cocaine overdose you know because Access without a cause is a dangerous thing, you know? And so, like, not understanding where we come from, what slavery is, what we are fighting for, why um, all of the systems that were in place to create the systems that exist today, because reparations is synonymous with money in most people's minds, you know? like Right. And so, like, using only money as a form of reparations is very dangerous because now what are we going to do when we never had access to money like that. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know? So so instead of doing that, I think that reparations should be in the form of addressing all of the systemic issues that have been created to marginalize and disenfranchise. And so like when you're talking about housing, right? you're talking about education, you're talking about healthcare, you're talking about voting and political power. All of those should be addressed as a form of reparations because if you address those, the money will follow. Just like Mm -hmm. if you do anything for passion and the love of the art, like we started a podcast. I'm not doing this just to be 100% like to be broke. Yo, Emily, I don't know about you, but I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) Sooner or later, somebody gonna see this brilliance and we gonna be good. And so Mm -hmm. like it it goes, that's what I'm saying. So whenever you chase a cause, and you chase something instead of chasing the money, I think success is imminent. And just like, so when we're talking about freedom and we're chasing the cause of freedom by the dismantling of systems, reparations should be in the form of access to all of the systems that have been taken away from us yeah. generationally. That's what I think reparations. But obviously, like, we never had money. So first thing reparations is, yeah, money like this country was built on the backs of individuals and financially it has benefited white men mm-hmm. like immensely mm-hmm. cotton and sugar and housing and all of these things have been done on the backs of people of color native americans yes reparations look easy just to hey let me give all those communities a hundred billion dollars mm-hmm. what the hell are we going to do with that money when we don't know how to we haven't been educated we don't all the all these systems like it'll be very detrimental to me in my opinion right. for us and so right. that's why I said it was a it was a great loaded question like yeah asked. yeah yeah I mean it's a really it's you know the last chapter of sixteen nineteen hey. that's what we talk about all the time <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it needs to be it really goes into well like, was it the last chapter I don't know maybe it, many there many different chapters. Just like the point in history during Reconstruction where it would have been the time for reparations, it would have made sense. And, you know, if the 40 acres and a mule had actually happened so people (laughs) could build generational wealth. And now that it's now, it is in in these conditions and and cycles have been set up. It's going to be tricky. I mean, what is clear is that, I mean, to me, what has been put in motion in terms of economic inequality and access is it's not changing just on its own. Like yeah. That's what all the data is showing us. Yeah. And so it makes sense that Nicole Hannah-Jones advocates for federal reparations. And, you know, she proposes some different, like, you have to be able to trace your lineage to yeah. freed slaves in the U.S. and a couple other criteria. But I would just be fascinated to sit on, in on that conversation of, like, how would you distribute that kind of financial boost, given that, I mean, there are some people that would be like, yeah, great. Okay. We're going to put it right into savings. We're going to be able to, Mm. you know, pay for our monthly Mm. bills. And then there's Mm. also, I'm talking about like, (laughs) Courtney's disagreeing with me now, if you could see his facial expression, (laughs) but there's also a lot of people who wouldn't know what to do with that. So how would you go about addressing education? education. We've been locked out of education. And I'm not talking talking about school. I'm talking about knowledge. The man with the knowledge, the man or woman with the means of information has the most power. Mm -hmm. We've been locked out of political power, educational power, healthcare. Like the power is in the knowledge. And so if you can give someone money 
it's like, uh, okay, take this money and shut the hell up. Mm. Versus if you can give somebody the information, they can always make the money. So your model is much more like use that money at the federal level to go into these yes. programs that would then 100%. address some of the root causes yeah. rather than giving individuals individual reparations. Yeah, because we don't know. I like, I don't know. How to, I'm just learning how to balance the checkbook and I'm educated. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't know how to do taxes and trade stocks. And like there are high school students that know how to trade stocks and I don't, you know, like because <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like we were kept out of intentionally mm-hmm. kept out of it was illegal for us to read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like to to give someone who can't read three million dollars is detrimental to them. It's almost like patronizing. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, shut the fuck up. We did it to you. Take that. Have a nice day. Ah, ah. Mm-hmm. It's like when mm-hmm. someone says to like an NBA star, shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. It's like, dance for me. Entertain me and take this money so you can't complain about it. you don't got like. And then while, he, while he's given $100 million, the man who owns the team is making $5 billion. Yeah. Like he's laughing at that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, shut up. Entertain me. You know, like. I need right, right, the five right. billion dollar. I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I want to be the creator. And again, I could be the outlier. I could be the crazy man who. And some people are like, "Yo, dude, fuck what you talk about." I need the million dollars, and I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna figure it out? Mm-hmm. Give Brooklyn all the mm-hmm. ice cream in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like, Not a go- good idea. Not a good idea. All right, she'll feel good for a second. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what. That's, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Interesting. And then my second question was around, you know, the work that we do. Uh And, you know, this is something we've talked about off air a little bit, just around, like, my positionality as a white woman doing this work. And, yeah, what are your your thoughts of... What do you mean? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) There are too many different topics. No. Um, You mean, like, (laughs) as a white woman, what should be your role in... Reparations? I mean, no. no. Well, uh, I guess the question is like, I mean, right now I'm <laughs> I'm hesitating because I feel like there are some questions that I might ask that you might not be comfortable talking about on air. <laughs> so what the hell? <laughs> Do you know me? I don't give a damn. Let's Could go. It be possible? <laughs> Let's it be possible? go. Exactly. I feel like so we've you know we've been looking for sponsorship and help and so forth mm-hmm. because we're paying our editors to do such an amazing job uh-huh. and produce the podcast and uh-huh. we've talked about how we've been running into more and more people who are like okay so if we if we give you money this is supporting Courtney's involvement right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm kind of of the mindset of like, great, yes, like I want to support your involvement and my involvement is different because I'm white and that's bullshit. And you have that's bullshit. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, there is no humanized podcast without you. So, yeah, it feels good for guilt ridden white people to say I am here only to help Courtney. And that shit sounds good. You know, but no, it's here to help us. There is no freedom without us. Mm. I'm not the only one that's going to be able to walk and progress towards freedom without the help of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like, I mean, I hope I did. How can I say it without? <laughs> I'm not sure. 
I hope I <laughs> we're, we're, we're fighting our edges today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm trying to say it in a way where it doesn't offend anyone. But also, I can't not speak my truth because I don't like it when people are... I don't like being exploited and I don't like being a hypocrite and exploiting, emotionally exploiting someone else, if that makes sense. And so whether I'm talking to a slave owner or descendants of slave owners or just white people who don't, or someone who doesn't look like me, who feels guilt, like I will never say because of what you or your ancestors did, give me money. That, that's not how I work. I'm not trying to place blame. I'm trying to to have a conversation and gain understanding on this thing that has affected people that look like me. Mm-hmm. So it's less about you and it's more about us. Mm. It's less about me and it's more about the collective mm. because there is no freedom without us all understanding our role in what it takes to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like, would it be easier to get donations on the Patreon pays for us to pay at it? Yeah, but whether or not you do it, not you, Emily, but you, white person, do it, there is going to be someone who feels driven to assist the cause and help us to do what it takes to push this podcast where it needs to be. So Mm -hmm. don't get so caught up in yourself and think like it's about you and how you feel that's going to make humanize a wild success. It's not. It's not even about me. Like, Mm -hmm. it's about what I have to do every day to show up for Emily and to make sure that Humanize is the caliber of a pocket that it should be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not even doing it to to highlight myself. It's something that I feel passionate about and a platform that I take very seriously to give to the world so that hopefully I can be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And so like, if it's not about me and this is our podcast, it's definitely not about a person that's going to give to us and feels like guilty and feel like this is a part of a reparations thing. At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. I feel very driven towards making sure that we are in the right position to be, to just to be the solution. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to be the solution. That's it. No matter what that looks like. Yeah. I do feel though that like our emotional labor going into this podcast is different. You know, like, so that's, you know, kind of making the case for the funding to support yeah. your emotional labor because it is, it's different. But this is not my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it can be for me. Like, this is our, that's, that sounds crazy. Like, we, we gonna fight now. Like, oh, that, <laughs> come, come, like, listeners, <laughs> Emily and I have the gloves on. It's a good thing we're not in the same room. <laughs> oh, what you be? What you be? No, man, like, I don't want you to feel like you're doing me a favor or you like we both. I don't feel like I'm doing you a favor. Okay, okay. I don't feel like I'm doing you a favor. I feel blessed to be in a company of brilliance as we are doing this podcast together. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate it every time that we're able to bless our listeners with the content that we bring. You know, I feel truly blessed. Okay. And so this is for us. Well, you know, we're not really raking in the millions yet, but yeah, it's, it's coming though. It's coming. Maybe if there was a point where we broke even, we can revisit this conversation exactly. because, you know, money changes things and yeah. let's just stay conscious and, and deliberate <laughs> about it. But as of now, we're just paying 
you know, going into the red. So look, look what Idolette has inspired with this with oh, her you episode. Know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she did that. Like, yeah. Okay, so she said something else that I had asked her to like create a picture of what it was like growing up in South Africa apartheid. Uh-huh. And she said she put a disclaimer on it and basically saying, you know, I acknowledge that what I'm saying can be painful, so I just encourage people to take care of themselves. Can you describe, like, paint a picture of what apartheid South Africa looked like yes. and what your experience of that was and what what helped you kind of open your eyes to a missing part of your soul? Right, right. So, and I'm going to give a white perspective, yeah. right? And and I also I also want to be mindful, like, you know, because this is hard things, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so to hear a white woman talk about this stuff, just for people to take care of their hearts mm-hmm. yeah. and to mm-hmm. do whatever they need to do, walk away <laughs> if you can't listen mm-hmm. to me, right? You know, my reaction to her saying this was like, wow, thank you. But really what was going on inside was, holy shit, should I be constantly putting that disclaimer on myself? And it has me thinking of, so I've kind of been inspired by Ibram X. Kindy's work Mm -hmm. saying that confession is the opposite of racism and just being really honest and, Mm -hmm. and vocalizing that. And I've tried to really be honest about my experiences of white supremacy conditioning and thinking and and racism. And I'm like, God, a lot of the stuff I say could really be horrible to listen to for BIPOC listeners if they, I mean, I I think that you appreciate, like we've set up a certain dynamic where we're like just trying to be as honest as possible. And we've put the disclaimer on the episode. Mm -hmm. But I guess it has me thinking also Layla Sad's White Supremacy and Me book, where at the beginning, she also puts a disclaimer of like, you know, when you're in the chapters about anti-Blackness and Black men and Black women, and you're uncovering these thoughts that you have, don't just go and tell your BIPOC friends about this. Like, Mm -hmm. keep it to yourself, Mm -hmm. because that can be really traumatizing, upsetting. And I'm just wondering, if I'm crossing a line with the level of honesty and confession, or... It doesn't have to be either or. Yeah. What I hear from you is like, oh, it's so yeah. refreshing to finally hear someone saying this. But like, where, how to like tease that out? Like, what you know? You you're asking a cultural question. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a monolith. I'm not every black person in in the world in the, in this country. So, however, from a cultural standpoint, you know, like for the most part, black people love honesty that I've encountered, that I've known, mm-hmm. where I come from. You know, like. It, it may hurt. A lot of times, white people that I encountered really are not confrontational. Mm-hmm. And people of color are confrontational. And so you hear things like, can I have a courageous conversation with you? I don't even know mm-hmm. what that means. <laughs> you know, like, yo, just talk to me. You're like, just what? Honest conversation. Yeah, not even. <laughs> a conversation should always be honest. You're like, uh-huh. if you have to ask me, can we have a can I have a con- a honest conversation with you or a courageous conversation? Right there, a red flag is up in my mind. Like, yo, you about to start some bullshit. That means every time you talk to me, you've been lying to me. You know what I mean? Like, right, you right. Know? It's like... <laughs> yeah. And so, right. yeah. Every other time is not courageous or honest. Well, it's that whole, like, emotionally restrained versus expressive yeah. culture. You know, there we go. White people being more emotionally restrained. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And so now we live in a culture where everything is so offensive and I'm worried about 
more about the label than the actual work being done or are more worried about the semantics than the harm that's being done. And I don't care about semantics. What I care about is what harm is being done. Like when we're talking about pronouns, 100%, I want to respect that pronoun. Mm -hmm. However, I don't want you to feel so disrespected by me by saying a wrong pronoun. Let's have a conversation about the pronoun so I can learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or if someone's more concerned about the term LGBTQ plus A plus plus, but you're disrespectful to the culture of LGBTQs, like that's more concerning to me. Mm -hmm. If a person says the right vernacular or BIPOC culture, but it's prejudiced to shit, that's that's more concerning to me. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah, yeah, so you can like learn to speak the language. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? To say things appropriately, so-called politically correct. Yes. right? that yes. was like what the '80s taught us. Is like yeah. if you just learn how to label people correctly, yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then we learned, you know, through the, the years since then, like not quite enough. Exactly. That's not going to bring us across the finish line. <laughs> yeah, results matter. Uh -huh. Results matter. Not great speeches. This is a different day for active, like back in the day. Our and even empathy matters. Empathy matters, 100%. Yeah. You know, and so like if you given, like I heard, I heard Nicole Honey Jones say this. I don't believe in hope. And you know me as a person, that's hard for me to hear because I'm always You're believing. You're all about hope. I'm all about hope. But I think we were saying the same thing because I believe in hope to the end of like actionable steps. Not just me talking hope and then going to bed. Like, I am hopeful for tomorrow, but I got to work today to make sure the shit that I'm hopeful for is manifested. Right. You know what I mean? So it's me, not just thoughts and prayers. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be a neighborhood hope dealer and stay at home and not really be in the community and dealing this hope. Mm -hmm. And working towards all things that's going to make it the future, a hopeful future for individuals that look like me. You know, and so mm -hmm. I, I feel it, I feel very like words matter, but I think actions are more important. Like you can dream all day, but what separates a dream from a vision are the actionable steps. Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. comes after a dream is what it makes the vision a reality, you know? And so like I really have to make sure that with everything that we do as with the reparations and where um, Adelette talked about apartheid and all of the things. I mean, she was around Mandela's day. You know what I mean? Like that was, mm. that's dope. You know, like yeah. it, it was just a powerful thing. But if people just have the dreams of freedom mm -hmm. and hope for freedom, how do you manifest that freedom? How, 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 how are we doing that? And I, mm -hmm. and, and I feel like this, like humanized, and facilitations and talking to community leaders like Shakita mm -hmm. and Shakita doing events of Juneteenth when there never was one in her community. Like those are the actionable steps that hope brought about. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So let's listen to the way that we finished our episode with Idolette here, and then we can both respond to the prompt that she gave us. Okay. So. Okay. Start with dear forefathers or dear foremothers, right? <laughs> yeah. 
What would you like to say mm-hmm. to the ones who have gone before you? Just literally start a letter. I think that's a powerful exercise. Yeah. I was in a call a few weeks ago and we were just literally naming ourselves. Like for me mm-hmm. to name, this is where I'm from. This is where I'm sitting. This is where I'm held by the Drakenstein Mountains that was in the backyard. I think that's also a powerful exercise. So write a letter to your ancestors or your forefathers or foremothers. Yeah. What would you like to know from them or tell them? What have you received from them? What has mm-hmm. history brought you along down the lines? So basically what she said is she encouraged our listeners mm-hmm. to do a writing activity. Okay. Write a letter to your ancestors. What would you like to know from them or tell them? I thought it could be good for both of us to think about that for a second and to share. So if you were to write a letter to your ancestors, what Ooh. would you like for them to know or to tell them. Uh, do you know, by the way, where where in Africa they they went to the... No, um, I do not. I do not. I, I know you would have to go back really far in my lineage to hit Africa because we're deep yeah. in the Caribbean, you know? And so... Um, would you ever do like the, uh, yeah, the yeah. 20, 23 and me and, and yeah. find out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I found out I'm fifty percent European and Russian. Is <laughs> like what in the Russian? Hell? <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> no, no. You'd have a huge identity crisis. You but what? Talk- <laughs> what the? <laughs> okay, so if you could write a letter, mm. what would you? In short, just I would love to know how. How did you like? Like, if my ancestor was like a John Lewis, mm. how did you cross the bridge? How were you on the bridge that day and saw poli- mm. police officers running towards you and not run back like, yo, fuck this, I'm out. You know, like, yeah. what gave you that strength? You know, like, mm. if I could go back to yeah. Malcolm X, you know, and see him the day he died as the gun was pointing him at his speech, like, what was going through his mind? Like, shit. Was it like, is it worth it? I prepare for this. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, this is what, I, mm-hmm. what I'm willing to die for. If I could go mm-hmm. back to like like a Mandela mm-hmm. and as you sat in prison in your own country, like, you know what I mean? Like, where, how, how did that make you feel? You know, I, oh my God, like, this is a great question mm. because I've always thought about the more I got to activists, like, why am I fine for people that may kill me? Mm-hmm. Like when me and David go into communities and we're, we're there, we're speaking or we're, we're, we're ta- like, we could die. Because poverty has created such a, a, a fucking monster that mm-hmm. people are not seeing us. They're not seeing the love. They're seeing opportunities to survive, you know? And so white supremacy is the type of monster that creates illusions or delusions in people's minds that they're willing to kill their own children to survive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, are we willing to sacrifice our lives? Mm-hmm. And I keep coming back to, hell yeah. It's only <laughs> hell yeah. It's the only way I got mm-hmm. it. If I'm gonna be taken up out of this, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. gonna do it. I'm gonna do it for my people, and mm-hmm. possibly by my mm-hmm. people. You know. And so like yeah, that's the kind mm-hmm. of questions I would I, I would love to like how, what's going through your mind at those moments of immense yeah. pain and and courage and yeah yeah. Well, how about yeah. you? So when I think of my ancestors, what pops to mind? or comes to mind is the Pennsylvania Dutch ancestors on my dad's side. And I I guess I'm thinking about like maybe just pre-Civil War times. And first of all, I'm curious, like, what do they see happening in this country? 
<laughs> and how do they really see it? Because they didn't have social media then, yeah. you know, yeah. they probably had little circulated newspapers, maybe yeah. like one or two per city. Yeah. And, you know, this is small rural areas. So how are they getting their information? Yeah. Do they have the consciousness and awareness of, you know, what was happening to Black people in the U.S. at that point? Do they feel connected to that? Do they see it? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there was some in, you know, slavery in Pennsylvania at that point, but maybe not. I don't, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. And if they saw it, did they feel... Like, were they at a point where they just couldn't empathize yeah. with Black people because in, you know, through media had been so dehumanized? Or was it something that, you know, were there abolitionists in my family? I mean, I don't know. I guess I just like to even ask the first questions would be, help me see the world through your eyes yeah. so that I can understand the decisions that you made either consciously or by default because I don't know what it would be like to live in a time yeah. where you, who knows what you know about what's happening in other wow. parts of the country. Wow, you just, you you kind of gave me chills by that because when I say things like, I would love to talk to Hitler. I would love to talk mm -hmm. to Stalin. I would love to talk to, to Trump. I would love to talk to people that view these men as like dictators and I talk like, how do you see the world? Mm -hmm. Like there's a backstory and a reason for being for everyone, you know? And so like, mm -hmm. we, I would love to talk to a KKK member and see mm -hmm. how could you throw a, a like fire in a window and watch a family burn to death mm -hmm. as you hear the screams because you're filled with so much hate and rage and fear. Like, mm -hmm. let me see the world through your eyes. And I don't agree it's with rationalizing the, your behavior. Yeah, you know what like, I mean? Because everyone acts wow. rationally from their lens. Yeah, right? yeah. That's amazing. Justified. Yeah. 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 So I think I'd ask those questions. And I tried to search through ancestry.com, but, you know, most of what <laughs> I got is like, this is a person in the census. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess they were thought of as citizens. Can yeah. they know that? So. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't listened to Idolette's episode, it is really beautiful example of what it means to be embodied doing this work. Yes. And she has some beautiful prompts and exercises. You know, who's the hardest person to honor? How do I sit in the circle of humanity? Things like that. So it's a beautiful episode. So yes. thank her for coming on. And yeah. Courtney, thank you. Oh, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate this work. Yeah. I'm always looking for things to give me more purpose. And this is mm -hmm. definitely just a highlight of my life, man. And like, no matter mm -hmm. where we go with humanized, I, I feel, I just want to say, you know, we season four and I like to give flowers while people are alive. And Emily, thank you for for, oh. for, for this, this journey you've taken with me. Oh. So I appreciate you for that. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love. 